0: Welcome to the Wealthies Circle Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into this year's finalists and winners from our WealthManagement.com 2020 Industry Awards. These interviews cover the challenges, innovations, and trends in the wealth management industry and the individuals working to help advisors better help their clients. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. I'm David Armstrong. I'm the editor-in-chief of WealthManagement.com, uh, and this is the Wealthy's Podcast. Today, this is where we speak to winners of the Wealthies Awards, our industry awards for financial advisors and the people who sell into the financial advisory community. Today, we're speaking to James McDonald, CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Hercules Investments. James won for the Asset Manager Alternatives category, Hercules Investments, Systematic Volatility Trading Strategies. James, thanks a lot for being with us.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Uh, So the way that we've been starting these things out, James, is by just let me ask you, Tell our audience, financial advisors, what you do for advisors, what problem you solve for financial advisors.
1: There is a challenge for every money manager, financial advisor, financial planner, portfolio manager. There's a challenge, and that is keeping clients uh, comfortable with what's happening with their portfolios in the market. And there's been so much risk in this market that has not translated into changes in equity prices for the negative, Uh, there's a lot of confusion. And what we do is we capitalize on systematic volatility. And what systematic volatility is, it's the repetition of risk. And there are crowds, and then there are angry crowds, and then there are happy crowds, and then there are uh, fearful crowds. In any case, when emotions hit a crowd, they're more predictable. And we've seen this in stampedes for toilet paper. We've seen this in stampedes for music tickets. Whatever it is, people are more predictable uh, when they're excited in a crowd, and that's how I describe volatility. Volatility, as a science, um, is often debated because there are so many different tracking instruments for it, but I like to describe it as simply the crowd rushing to something, and we're experts at profiting when that happens. And so for financial advisors and for investors who are worried about knee-jerk reactions or Perhaps a change in sentiment that perhaps devastates a stockholding or investment portfolio. Yesterday, uh, President Trump tweeted that he was not going to negotiate the stimulus bill until after the election. Just that tweet, just the comment, you know, no legislative action, no material change, just the comment sent the market into a panic We took a position in volatility prior to that because it was so low, and we're able to generate a profit from that outcome. Not because we have a crystal ball, but because we recognize when volatility is low, when the crowd is quiet, when the crowd is quiet, it means that eventually that crowd is going to come back into action. And so, through various volatility vehicles, we're able to position capital to either profit. From the eventual movement of the crowd in a dramatic way, or protect portfolios uh, by giving some volatility exposure. And we do that systematically in that there are cl- there are clues uh, in situations which always trigger fear and greed.
0: Yeah, for sure. And this has uh, certainly been a season of volatility, right? I mean, uh, I don't know, in the past, uh, you know, since the whole pandemic uh, shut down, has it been feeling like uh, shooting fish in a barrel over there? I mean, volatility has just been all over the place, is it not? Well,
1: you know, it would seem that way, but in reality, volatility has ground to all-time lows in 2020. We've seen the 12-year bull market uh, capitulate, and it capitulated in February And at that point, just before it capitulated, volatility was at a statistically impossibly low level. So we scooped it up there. We didn't know there was going to be a pandemic, but we knew that it was a statistically impossible low. And so volatility had a huge spike. Obviously, the pandemic was a shock. And so volatility rose so high that it became impossibly high. At that point, Mm. we sold volatility by selling call and put options just before expiration, collecting that time premium. That was a great strategy. But then the Fed came in to rescue. Uh, we've never seen a Fed lower interest rates twice in as many weeks. They came to the rescue, and there was a dramatic, dramatic uh, rally in the stock market. And that dramatic rally pushed volatility again to very unsustainable lows. And we saw a very, very, very uh, good discount of volatility around June 11th. Uh, as the market kind of peaked at that point, almost an 11-day rally, almost unheard of. We got a spike in volatility then. And then at the beginning of the month in September, where we saw another uh, a big, amazing rally. You know, August was the, the highest rally month, second highest rally month in all of history. And so we saw almost an 11-day run on the NASDAQ, eight-day run on the S&P and the, and the uh, Dow. And so we took advantage of that as well. So we've had those three big spikes in volatility so far, and we expect another big one uh, ahead of the election.
0: Yeah, for sure. And let me ask you this. It seems I think a lot of advisors out there are thinking the market where it's at right now can't last. Cannot sustain where it is. I, it's, it's. It, I mean, you talk about the Federal uh, Reserve interest rates being so low, kind of inflating assets. It seems to be kind of running on sort of fairy dust a little bit. I think a lot of advisors have that uh, uh, perspective. Would you agree? You
1: know, fairy dust works, right?
0: <laughs> you <laughs>
1: Storybooks. That stuff.
0: Works, right?
1: You want your favorite puppy or your your unicorn or your favorite car? Fairy dust works, and the fairy dust that the Fed has spread along uh, has allowed this market to run. And it may continue to support higher than average equity returns. But yes, there is an imminent uh, repricing coming. We are looking at a price earnings ratio, uh, whether it's cyclically adjusted, the Cape Schiller ratio, or whether it's just straight earnings uh, to prices. We are seeing the second highest levels in equity valuations. This is post September correction. We're seeing the second highest valuations that we've seen since just before the dot-com bubble burst. And so even if we remove the uh, element of the pandemic, which is certainly the biggest risk to the market, we're still overvalued. And so when you put that in there, um, we certainly have to see some pressure coming in stocks. But then we've got the anomaly of when there's a crisis uh, there are unprecedented steps taken, right? And so what the Fed has done, particularly with Powell coming out and saying they're going to hold interest rates for 36 months, that's an incredibly long time for a conservative central bank to project uncertainty. That's an incredibly long time. Um, and so there's going to be some uh, complacency and some comfort from the big institutions about you know where these prices uh can come down to i do think we're going to retest the march lows um and at that point i think you know the discounts will be there for some of the good names and we'll get some buying coming back in but you know fairy dust works and when it's fed fairy dust we've seen now we've been educated that it can absolutely support a market
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. I, and you talk about though the the valuations, uh, some of the metrics, uh, price to book, price to you know uh, earnings, whatever it is you're using, being at all time highs or near all time highs. Uh, I seem to remember before the pandemic, hit, people were also saying that, and that it was only the consumer, only the U.S. consumer, that was keeping the market going. This is a pre-pandemic, right? And it seems like the legs have been cut out underneath the U.S. consumer, minus the federal stimulus uh, or federal aid that's been given out. So I, th- I think that just makes another stool w- or, a, a, you know, another leg on the stool of, of worry about this market, right? I mean, if uh, if there is no more uh, consumer relief, or even if there is, it doesn't quite add up to what it should be. I think we're going to see more unemployment uh, coming forward. You know, that consumer story is going to peter out eventually, right? It's got to. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. where does the market go then?
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, it's a good analogy to use a leg on a stool. And so consumers have had a rough time of it. We're looking at employment pinches uh, in the retail sector, obviously, in the transportation sector, obviously, in the gaming and hospitality sector, obviously. As we keep taking off these I- industries, uh, which are most susceptible to paining from pandemic, as we keep taking down these industries, we start to see you know, an aggregate level of income impact that will go beyond uh, the PPP program. It'll go beyond what the Fed can do. And that is going to have a disastrous effect on small businesses uh, and a disastrous effect on the economy, which is why the Fed did what it did. Those are the smartest people, economically speaking, in the world. Um, And thank God they're independent and objective, right? They're not trying to sell products or earn fees. They saw what was coming. They took those emergency measures. But we're a big economy and it's not going to be enough for the long term. And yes, the consumer is going to feel pressure that's going to matriculate to the stock market, the pressure that we're looking at that we're paying close attention to outside of anecdotal observations. We're looking at what banks are are receiving in terms of their loans. We're looking at defaults. We're looking at mortgage payment timing. We're looking at credit card payment timing. Uh, We're looking at how they're paying their bills because ultimately that will be the arbiter uh, for what happens with banks in the financial system.
0: Yeah, for sure. Let's talk a little bit about the, how financial advisors can uh, uh, work with you. What do, I, what, what do you do for financial advisors? Are, are you, you know, how, how do they uh, uh, approach you? What's your relationship with financial advisors?
1: So what we like to do is we like to position them to protect their clients and to increase their clients' growth prospects. And so we're a growth-focused advisor. What we do better than anybody else in the world is we put the right amount of exposure uh, to volatility, in a portfolio, we're able to calculate that. We have a lot of RIAs come to us and say, look, we've got a client who's got, you know, X number of millions of dollars in Apple with a concentrated position, low cost basis. They don't want to sell, but they know the pain is coming. So we can take 10 to 18 percent of the value of that portfolio and hedge that risk uh, in that Apple concentrated position using volatility and offset losses in Apple. And if we do a good job, generate gains there. So we do a lot of risk hedging for advisors Mm -hmm. who've got clients. And then we do an overlay. And so we put our systematic vol strategies over a portfolio strategy. So when the market comes down precipitously, there's an offset and rise in gains on that volatility. And what we do, we do really, really well. We've traded over $5 billion in index options uh, over the last six months, and so it's our real specialization where we're able to position capital that moves upward when the market moves downward dramatically.
0: Okay. So, but advisors will come to you with uh, uh, specific uh, accounts or specific portfolios that want to, for lack of a better word, uh, protect. You'll you'll give them some overlay strategies uh, in the volatility market to do give them that uh, protection. Yes. Okay. Great. And tell me a little bit about uh, uh, where you came from and and where Hercules came from. How long have you guys been around? Uh, uh, did you come up in the RIA space, come up in the uh, hedge fund space? Where? Give us a little bit of your background.
1: I have the weirdest story. I'm a football player. And uh, from the time I was 12 years old, I wanted to be a football player. But like many, I blew my knee out my freshman year in college and shifted to a financial career. I came up as an investment advisor, then a wealth manager, and then I was director of strategy for Compass BBVA, where we had about $12.5 billion, mostly in trust accounts, where we had to deliver insurance, brokerage, and asset management in a integrated way. Um, and in that environment, I started building the systems to protect trust accounts from big market pullbacks, using some of the treasury departments, treasury groups, uh, algorithms. And so that was my specialization. I came out of that environment, built an RIA, got my knee fixed, have been playing semi-pro football for the past 12 years. And that's what my heart desires is to play football. And when my football career ended last uh, fall, uh, I had 12 years in and I set my next goal, which was to buy an NFL team. Um, And in the hedge fund space and in the index option space, certainly a realistic objective. And so we built Hercules. We started Hercules last fall um, to generate performance for individual investors and to generate performance for intermediary advisors. Uh, that would accrue to compensate um, us well enough to get us an NFL football team. And so that is our mission. Uh, we've got to generate about $12 billion in profits for our clients utilizing these strategies. And uh, we're well ahead of plan.
0: Wow. That's a, so that you've, you've set a great intention there, right? Now you have a, a, an intentional strategy to, to get to a specific place. That's fantastic. It's a great After. goal. Let me say this. When advisors, it seems to me when you talk to RIAs and talk to advisors these days, so many of them are the mantra that they hear and the mantra that they are encouraged to repeat to their clients is, wait out the volatility. I know there's going to be bumps in the road. It's going to go down. It's going to go up. But you know what? We're focused on the long term. We're focused on the big long term goal. So don't, don't be paying attention to the markets every day. Pay attention to the goal and, and, and we'll get there together. Sounds like you don't disagree with that message that that's what we should be talking to the clients about, but, uh, but advisors might need to take a little bit more of an active hand in the portfolios. Correct.
1: Yeah. And it depends on your goals. Right. And, and so if you, you know, if you walk for two minutes a day and eat 2000 calories a day and be average, you know, you'll probably be okay. And you know, on average, if you can hold your capital and not need it for 10 year periods, you're going to do okay you're gonna do average. And so, you know, some people wanna join the triathlon. Some people wanna be great athletes, wanna be fit, um, and wanna be in the top 1%, top 10%, top 15% of human beings. And those who strive for more, those who are growth-seeking, those who want elite performance, need a different strategy. And so, buy and hold works in 10-year increments, and they're right. If you weather the storm, you will end up on average as well as you would have been if you had tried to navigate with an average mindset. But we're elite at what we do, and our 2 and 20 performance fee lays out our case. We don't perform. We don't get paid. And so what we're doing here is we are taking an exceptionally focused approach to identifying support and resistance levels on the indexes and then translating those into trades. And so we're not for everybody, uh, but for a client that's got aggressive growth goals uh, and they're looking at the performance that they did not get in this last bull market over the past 12 years, where you know, you've know you had names like Amazon and Netflix and Google and Facebook, you've had them run tremendously where they were over-diversified or they were in one of these portfolios that had kind of the 10-year average, they missed out on returns and so they want to catch up. And so people who hire us are looking for a growth and b, you know, elite performance. And that's what we do. And that's how we select our clients. We're not for everybody. If someone has a conservative fixed income approach strategy, you know, we're not for them. But for people who want elite performance, uh, who want profits and who want growth in a risk controlled way, those are the folks that align well with us.
0: Yeah. And what I was also uh, expecting you to say there was something about people have that mindset of, you know, 10 years. Don't worry about it. Let it go. Uh, as long as the market's doing fine. Right. As long as there's no major pullback or major correction. You gotta get uh, to,
1: right? It's like the old real estate game. You know, everybody has a rich uncle that does real estate in this industry. And they always say, <laughs> real estate. It totally works if you initiate at the right uh, point in the cycle. Right. And so right here where we are, we're at uh, the end of the longest bull market in history. And so in all probability, we don't have a crystal ball, but in all probability, markets will be under pressure uh, in the near and the medium term. And so if you are not all set, quote unquote, right now, um, you've got to take a systematic approach to identifying ways to grow your capital without just plunking it into the market and hoping and waiting for Recovery because we may see a market that's lower a year from now from where it is. We may see a market that's lower two years from now where it is, and three years, and so on and so forth. And we simply don't know. And so what we do is um, really, really target it for people who want growth and who want active management, but it takes skill. You can put a baseball bat in a hundred uh, baseball players' hands, but you know, maybe one or two of those guys can hit. 300 or better, right? You can put a football in every quarterback's hands, but maybe only one or two of those guys will have a touchdown to interception ratio um, that's favorable. And so everybody isn't great. You know, most people are average and what we do, we're the best in the world at.
0: Well, it also it strikes me because you're hyper-focused on it, uh, right? It's You're not distracted with uh, trying to do everything for everybody. Absolutely a lot of asset managers have put some retail products out there, some liquid alternatives, uh, hedge fund strategies, and a mutual fund wrapper or uh, ETF wrapper, or uh, some of the smart beta funds that are out there, which, you know, on on paper anyway, ostensibly say that they're going to do the same thing you're promising to do. Probably for a lot cheaper, right? How would you respond to that? Uh,
1: I would respond with, we have a red herring with the SEC approval pending, um, and so we'll have a ticker here soon
0: with our strategy. Okay. So you are going to roll out a retail? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. But again, the idea is that you're taking an active approach to these markets, whereas I think a lot of like the smart beta folks are kind of, uh, you know, trying to make it all rules-based and taking the human element out of it. Right. You it's still right. see room for the human for the human element in the trading.
1: Well, as a, as a, so the human element is, you know, the behavioral finance is where we kind of trade. We're looking for the crowd and it gets difficult to explain, but in behavioral finance, they're basically assumptions that people, people, uh, as a group will repeat past behaviors, right? And so right. if that's true, we can take advantage of uh, volatility and we can take advantage of shifts between fear and greed systematically. That's why it's called systematic volatility. It's not guessing, it is rules-based. We do- Okay, use so you do,
0: in a, okay, you do have this in a rules-based.
1: You use formulae, we have dozens of libraries of algorithms where we get probability distributions and use calculus to determine what the win-loss rate will be and then execution. is in the key and you know an algorithm doesn't know what twitter is right Uh, algorithm doesn't doesn't know what a bankruptcy notification is or a plane flying into a building so we do have subjective authority over the execution it's not a black box strategy Um, but we wait 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 for situations to occur that imply there will be a recurrence of human behavior from shifting from fear to greed Um, And we've been extremely, extremely successful at it. It's even better when markets are under duress. People are more predictable when they're afraid. And so this market is really setting up for us to have a record uh, month again, as we did last month.
0: Yeah, for sure. When you're out there talking to advisors, uh, and you're you're talking about your strategies, are you noticing a uh, a, a greater interest in this kind of thing, uh, just because of where we are in the markets? I mean, has has the 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 phone's been ringing off the hook, or the inbound marketing thing's been working. You know, it seems to me that this is we do is almost
1: unbelievable. It's almost not believable. We're earning thirty cents on the dollar of assets we manage, right? And a typical advisor may earn one or two cents. And how is that possible? It's systematic vol. It's two and twenty. And so when we talk to an advisor, we have to first understand what their economic goals are. And of course, it always has to be suitable for the client. Um, But in the reality, when you're trading options contracts and you're correct and you're accurate um, and there are big moves in these indexes that are not predictable but consistent in their behavior, so loss management and loss minimization is, is very, very efficacious, we're taking a lot of advisors and really, really, really growing their income. And we have 5x and 10x advisors' income, and we have to prove that we can do that because it's almost not believable Uh, But the math works when you execute these trades right. And so when we talk to advisors, you know, A, their clients have to be growth focused. B, it has to be suitable. We're talking about index options, you know, probably one of the most dangerous securities out there uh, and options. And so it has to be suitable for the client in that way. But then once we make those alignments, uh, we are growing accounts in a market that's declining. And to your question, there's absolutely more interest now because in the previous six months, people are just opening their statements and the Uh, accounts higher than it was the month before you know people are comfortable when their accounts are growing and it doesn't mean their accounts need to grow a lot but as long as they're positive but now the market has stopped going up at least as of last month you know heck yeah if someone is saying my portfolio of clients their balances are going to go down apple is not going to keep hitting new highs every single day and my fees are going to go down my income is going to go down and if there is a black swan or if there's a tail event or if there's some type of furthering of risk this market could come off dramatically like it did in march all the gains since then would be wiped out and then there's more downside below and so there's certainly more interest now that the market has stopped going up and that we've established ourselves as being credible you know to be taken seriously in this industry you have to produce results Um, And so we do have GIPS compliance performance numbers that are eye popping. And that helps a lot from where we started. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're very fortunate and blessed and lucky um, to be recognized by wealthmanagement.com as well. There's a lot of people who compete, but don't get an opportunity Um, To perform and to perform well. And we've been able to do that. And, you know, the media is picking it up as well in the past seven days. We've been highlighted by CNBC and Wall Street Journal and Fortune and Forbes and Kiplinger and Mm Barron's and Bloomberg, you know, and that's not an accident. It's because what we're doing is really working. um, And we're excited about it. We're excited about our partnership with wealthmanagement.com.
0: Yeah, well, it's great. You know, it's WealthManager.com. It's It's the, you know, we have a team of independent judges that uh, vet all of these entries. And and they were excited about your entry and and enough to to give it the uh, winner in the alternative space. And and it was a crowded field. There's a, you know, a number of uh, asset managers compete in that space. So congratulations again to you and your team there, James.
1: Thank you. We're really excited about it.
0: And uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, I think, uh, James, unless you have any last uh, comments.
1: I would like to say one thing that doesn't get talked a lot talked about a lot in our market is, um, you know, in past crises, they've been triggered by global events. And, you know, no pun intended, but, you know, the contagion of weak markets happens. And we haven't talked a lot about the weakness of the central banks around the world compared to ours. We know our Fed can come in and do whatever it needs to do. But other big developed economies like South Africa and Brazil and Russia, they're looking at very, 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 very precarious fiscal budgets. And Mm -hmm. so we're keeping an eye on that. We want advisors to be aware of things might be okay here, but if they are uh, declining and deteriorating abroad, that'll eventually come get us. So let's just keep our eye on the international picture as well.
0: That's great advice. Great advice. It's true. And... You know, just uh, the precariousness of, of uh, the index investor as well. I mean, this is something else I did want to ask you about. Uh, you mentioned the fangs as being the big drivers of uh, most returns over the past couple of years. I think most uh, advisors and certainly most clients, I think probably maybe many advisors, don't realize how the large of a component those stocks play in their if they're just taking a pure index uh, approach to the markets. Correct?
1: Yeah, we're over twenty three percent last time I checked. That the S and P's constituents was in tech and. You know, in our industries of advisors, we've seen more diversified indexes. You know, big oil and Berkshire and General Electric and industrial companies would smooth out those indexes. Now it's tech, tech, tech and healthcare, right? And so we definitely yeah. want to be sensitive. We're really excited about a product that's coming out from NASDAQ called VOLQ, V O L Q. And it is a volatility product for the NASDAQ 100, which gives us a more laser precision. To target protection and or growth from tech and that obviously that index the nasdaq 100 uh, it's going to have more focused effic- uh, efficacious impact on a portfolio because all the things are in there and then all the big healthcare companies the pharmaceutical companies that are trying to find cures for this virus are in there as well all of them and so we're really excited about that product ball queue as a tool um, to help advisors protect these portfolios that you know, maybe the portfolio isn't all tech, but maybe most of the gains are tech, right? And so we're mm-hmm. really looking forward to using Volku uh, to lock those gains in.
0: So diversity maybe does is not, many clients aren't as diverse as they think they might be.
1: In yeah, their investments. you know, and it's it's one of those things you really have to do a close look and, you know, there's over-diversification, there's under-diversification and performance attribution. And even if you do diversify, the whole point of diversifying is de-risking and then giving yourself an opportunity to catch a winner you may not find. When that winner happens, that winner represents most of the attribution of performance in the portfolio. And so you still have to protect that thing that drove returns. It's very um, unusual to see an evenness of returns across sectors. Most sectors have stayed negative since the pandemic hit in February. We saw the energy space absolutely destroyed through this pandemic. And, you know, Diversification is important, but also active management as well, because things change.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, James, thanks very much. It's been uh, enlightening for me. Congratulations again on the win. And uh, we I'm sure we will be hearing from you uh, again in the near future. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. You've been listening to The wealthies Podcast with David Armstrong, Editor-in-Chief of WealthManagement.com. See you next time. This content has been made for information and educational purposes only. The views and opinions represent the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of wealthmanagement.com.